said a hip. Hop the hippie, the hippie, the hippie, hip, hip hop, and you don't stop the rocket to the bang, bang. bang. Boogie said, up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie, boogie to breathe. Yo, Ooh. yo. We were real old school on that. Yo, one. It's, yeah. it's hip hop history month. You know what I'm saying? Word up, word up. We gotta honor that hip hop history month. Come on, man, we gotta I'm honor. Listen, man, we gotta honor ourselves. You know true what I'm saying? True, true. No Who came up with hip hop history month? Did we do that? Yeah, we did that. We okay. did that. Right. That's okay. right. It's not the shortest month of the year, so I'm down with that. That's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Man, even in that, man, y'all better leave Dr. Carter. You went to the loan on that, on that <laughs> shortest month of the year, bro. I ain't hearing that. That's my, my fat brother too, my man. Bad. I ain't hearing that. And if folks don't realize, you know, we're doing our intro, true. and we have a special guest. Host tonight, my no man, doubt, Minister. No. Minister Server, you know yeah, I'm here yeah. to be of service any way I can for the people. True, true. And I we mean, got... We got Kamal K. Franklin in the house as always, you know what I'm saying? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ain't been in Brooklyn forever. And we got your band. Uh-oh. The ear doctor in the building. Ear doctor. And we got my peoples over here. Jai's in the building. Jai. Jai. Yeah, yeah. Word now, up. if y'all haven't noticed, like, our man Kalanji Changa is not here tonight. Like, the news is that his mom's had to work a late shift so she couldn't get the laundry done, <laughs> so he didn't have anything to wear, so he couldn't make it out the house. Otherwise, you know, he would have been Ran out of Renegade Culture t-shirts, yeah, you know how it is. You know how I go, man, but I got you, Kalan. You don't right. worry about it, I got you. Next week, couple of weeks, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Word up, I Ooh. got you. So we got a real exciting show today. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if folks know, you know, we're in the midst of this election cycle, some big things are happening. And even though it's post-election, we're not quite sure who is won. Election selection. Election selection. You know, you know what it is. And for those who are not that bright, we're talking about the presidential election. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got some really, really important, great guests on. No doubt. Uh, black folks who grassroots work, organizing. Heavyweights, heavyweights. Heavyweights, man. Well, no doubt. Um, so let me let me actually, that's the start off with introducing, I guess, even though they're not going to come back until the, the first segment. But we got... Brother Jared Ball, who's who's a, a regular, uh, he's almost like a co-host. Yeah, man, you know Jared's the man. Jared's the man for sure. I know. I, don't, I feel like it's like Saturday Night Live. I don't even. The, I don't even know how y'all happen to get Jared on here as much as y'all do. He must really like y'all, man. Cause he likes he's me. Like, he likes Saul. He likes you. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay, I see what it is. We be talking like you know, Kalanji shit. I'm saying, shit. You know, I'm like, saying you know. he's on a whole nother level. So for him being in the show, you know what I'm saying? That's, you know what I'm saying? saying? I know he's bringing out the real, like, cause he's stepping up his game too. He's not like okay. grassroots. He got like a book out. Yeah, man. I didn't know Jared could really write. I thought it was. Like a fake shit. <laughs> yeah, so he, he like running with the renegades, you know. Yeah, renegades, I know. He's down with renegades, that. He's down with that. No so, so quickly with his intro, Jared is a father, a husband, a graduate um, from. I'm mean, he's a professor at Morgan State University, professor in communications. Uh, new book that came out, uh, Myth uh, and Propaganda: Black Mind Power, and you can catch this shit on iMixWithOurLife.org. We also have another guest, first time on, but this brother. Is, is popular anywhere he goes. Uh, this brother Diallo Kenyatta, I'm so glad that we got him on as a guest. He's a Pan-Africanist based in Chicago. He's been active in the Black Empowerment and Liberation Movement for over 20 years, uh, starting in high school. I mean, he brought us a bio to talk about his high school shit, so you know that's how long he's been doing it. Damn. But he did the Stop, uh, Stop the Violence Coalition and the Black Brothers Program. Um, and today he continues doing his work, starting cooperative businesses, engaging urban 
um, organic agriculture, building links between the African diaspora and liberation struggles in Africa. You can tell I'm excited because I'm rushing through this shit because I want to get to the show. Um, so <laughs> I was can, saying, you ain't even waiting for them to get on the screen. Nah, just like, let's, get this, let's get, get this it, going. Get it, get so when we get on, we can just talk about all the stuff we got to yeah, talk I mean, about. I like it. That's right. and, and our third guest and our most third, important guest tonight. Most important guest, we have Zakia Sankara Jabari. She is the National Director of Activism at Bright Beam, the parent organization of Education Post. She is the co-founder of Racial Justice Now, and most recently served as the national field organizer at Dignity Schools Campaign. Zakia has been named the inaugural Power 50 Leadership Fellowship uh -oh. for Women of Color uh -huh. with Community Change and Community Activism Fellowship with the Wayfounder Foundation. Zakia is a preeminent thought leader in racial education, justice, and has received numerous awards. Now, in her free time, uh -oh. she enjoys traveling, uh -oh. and spending time with her <laughs> husband uh -oh. and her two children. Oh, so that's uh -oh. a real, real right there. Damn. That last line, that's the most important thing. Hey. The family, you know hey. what I'm saying? Hey, I'm, I'm so, wait, y'all. I'm so proud of y'all, man. Reading is fundamental. Y'all passed the Come real on, program. Man. And y'all really got it. That's why we didn't have you read it. You <laughs> see what I'm saying? You're right. You're right Yo, about that. So we're going to be rocking and rolling. We're going to come back with our guests and get started. Oh, well, we got special musical yeah, guests yo, tonight. One of my all-time favorites, people that know me low, this guy, I love him. He's a phenomenal artist. King Malachi going to be in the building tonight. Right. And he's in the building tonight, y'all. Believe that. Two. So we're going to come back. We'll come back again with this special post-election wrap-up show about what's going to be going on. We're going right back with you with Renegade Culture. Bam. Boom, boom, boom. boom. Clap your hands, everybody. You got what it takes. Because I'm server here, and this is Kamal, and these are the Brave. Renegade. Damn, we Y'all wasn't ready for that. Y'all was not ready for that. I was like, ah, damn. Word up. So, yo, so we back. We ready for our shit. Yeah, you know man. what I'm saying? Got so, uh, I just want, let me just set the stage really quickly. Uh, at the time of this taping, we don't know which plutocrat has won the presidency. Exactly. Uh, we do know it's a tight race, but it looks like Biden will probably win it unless there's some major changes. Mm -hmm. I think Arizona, um, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. but I think, but Pennsylvania, he's behind. Nevada yeah, and, and yeah. Arizona, he is leading, and if he captures those two states, um, and Michigan has been in his Either his one, declared, either one. Right, he's both be... of those, and he's yeah. the leader of both of those, okay. and then we have 270. Okay, okay. Um, and so, and Georgia is a little bit close, and it looks like he can flip a little bit, which give him a little bit more, mm -hmm. but if things stay as they are, it could be that Biden will be uh, the next selected president of the United States. Number 46 selector. That's right. And so now we're talking about, and Trump is talking a lot of trash now um, about stolen ballots. Hold up, Trump is talking trash? Who knew? Oh, who knew? What who the, knew? That's shocking. So I, I'm curious about, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, some of this is like the theatrics of it, but I'm just curious about it because this is very theatrical time. And so, Zakia, I'm going to start with you because I want to know what you think uh, let's say this pattern still holds and Trump loses, what do you think is going to be Trump's game plan? Do you think there's going to be lots of lawsuits, buffer? Do you, do you, do you expect him to try to hold on and get, be dragged out, kicking and screaming? What, what do you think is going to be happening? 
Well, first of all, peace and blessings, brother. Thanks for the invitation uh, to come on. Um, happy to be here uh, with an esteemed panel and uh, certainly with you all as guests. I um, So I think that, you know, if in his mind he loses fair and square, I think he'll leave. Um, if he, again, in his mind, suspects <laughs> that there are um, issues which he's indicated all day on in his all cap press release and then the press conference he just had a little bit over an hour ago, I think, mm-hmm. um, he is indicating that some nefarious uh, things are happening uh, in certain states. So if the latter is the case, I do believe that he will put up a fight various ways. Um, you know, we saw yesterday where his people came down to Detroit uh, demanding that the votes uh, stop being counted. There's videos out there about that. I believe it happened in a couple of other states. Uh, I just saw the one in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly he's he's riling up his base. Um, I've also seen some concerning things on social media from Trump groups like Facebook groups. They have been posting, um, you know, threats and all manner of craziness. So I, I'm of the belief that we're not to underestimate uh, what may happen. Um, and maybe that's just me, the mother in me, just being cautious and thinking about my family. I, I also I live here near the White House. I live in suburban DC. Um, so you know I, I, I wouldn't say I'm walking around with fear, but I think what I would say, you know, with this individual for the last four years. I'm, I'm not thinking he has any decency. You know, I, I don't think he has, um, he clearly has no, um, you know, filter as they say. He he literally doesn't give a damn. And so when you're dealing with somebody like that, I think you need to be prepared for anything. That's mm-hmm. my perspective. So and the, the, the media predicted uh, the pundits and, and everybody that Joe Biden was gonna run away with this, right? All the, again, the almost same thing we had four years ago. Even worse, actually, man. Even, because, yeah, because yeah, they had him up like landslide almost. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to be an easy, an easy, yeah. uh, an alley oop yeah. for this dude. And then all of a sudden we come in and it, it's like all this, this nail biter. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like people just don't expect white folks to support white supremacy. Uh, or they just don't want to admit that's, that that's, that's what, what they it play. is more than anything you know else. That denial. Yeah, I feel mean, it's like denial. So I went to Jared and, and then Diallo. So what do you what do you think we got we we can make of that in terms of like all this angst around this dude being like you know this this the soul of America uh, uh, you know was going to reclaim the White House and, and all this bad white supremacy stuff is going to go away and we as we saw that's just not the case Jad won't you take the lead and then and then Diallo you follow up so so again I just want to say uh, echo uh, Sister Zakia's. Uh, opening comments and say that I appreciate being part of this panel and we need more of these conversations, the more the better. And then I've been engaging in my my version of political theater. So I'm just saying to me, it really doesn't matter. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's, it's, it's the same message for us, exactly. uh, uh, you know, regardless. Uh, so, so, um, anyway, so I'll start with that, but, but what I see happening is, is, uh, so first of all, like, you know, Trump is playing up and he's, he laid the groundwork from 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 a long way out because Months I think ago. he knew what was going to happen. Months ago, so, right. Yeah, so when he sees the, the, the numbers changing against his, his favor, that's just because he told his people to, to uh, 
uh, not do mail-in and come out and vote. And the Democrats stayed home and did mail-in. So as, as they get counted, it seems like there's some nefarious, uh, uh, slick game being run against him. But the reality is it's just Democratic Party votes are coming in later than the Republican votes. So it just looks like in some cases. But as other people have pointed out, if the Democrats were trying to run some hustle like that, then why aren't they doing better with all these other races throughout this, the, 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 the election? Uh, and why didn't they just rig the game to do better than that? But the reality of the situation, for, for, you know, for me at least, is that um, the, the real hustle is, number one, in the idea that this election, again, can, can bring about the kind of change that most people think that they, or at least know that they want. Uh, and that, that uh, uh, it, 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 to try to reaffirm the myth that Trump is somehow some truly different uh, anomalous figure, which I've never really believed. Um, so, so, uh, so this idea that if Biden wins, we're quote back on track, uh, uh, and the you know, and to I think to the point that the Kamau you 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 and Mr. Server were bringing up is that you know it's it's um, on the one hand Trump is getting more votes than anybody expected, uh, 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 and white supremacy is coming out in full strength. Um, uh, but it's also represented in the, the so-called opposition party as well, where Trump, I mean, Biden mm -hmm. has made clear, uh, and so has Kamala right. made clear as the top cop, the top uh, cop and the one right. who wants to lock up black and brown parents if their kids don't go to school. You know, this is, this is a white supremacist victory either way either and a way. capitalist victory either way. Uh, um, so anyway, I just see, so, so the last point I just wanted to bring up is that, that Trump, what I think he's going to do is use the groundwork he laid to, to set his exit, making this claim of some kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, game being run against him, some sort of, uh, um, theft of his, of his, uh, rightful election or victory, but he's going to use that to just transition it to the media company. He's already been laying down with his son-in-law. Uh, and preparing. He's going to use that to launch some new business venture. And of course, he's still going to be around. I mean, other people pointed this out, whether he's in the White House or not, he's still going to be around, uh, 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 you know, being that loud, uh, uh, aggressive, not so much dog whistle, but bullhorn exactly. for, for white supremacy and conservatism. Uh, and he's going to turn that into a whole bunch of money in a media venture that's still going to pollute the political conversation as much as he's been doing while he's been president. So again, we have to be about the same thing that we needed to be about before this election, regardless who wins. Uh, and I'm sure we can come back and talk more about that later on. But, but that's where I'm at, at least right now. Diallo, do you see a big difference between uh, between the two? Or like, is there a positive in getting Trump out potentially? I, well, I, I think that in the US, uh, we're taught to look at politicians as celebrities. But every politician is deeply embedded and obligated to the larger party structure. Even um, Trump, who was the renegade and the and 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 uh, went against the Republican establishment, if you look at his actual policies that he advanced and you ignore his rhetoric, he has followed lockstep with the party platform. Mm -hmm. So there is a significant difference between Biden and Trump if you look at them as as what they're supposed to be representatives of their parties and representative and and and. Um, leaders to bring forth a particular set of political values and a political platform. As far as Trump being an, uh, the worst president ever, I think that there's a lot of political amnesia in the United States because um, I remember when George W. Bush, everyone said W stood for the worst. Um, in fact, 
Um, there hasn't, the Republicans are not, don't win elections. They always steal election. The last Republican president that, that was elected to office without election fraud was Dwight D. Eisenhower. You mm. can't find a Republican elected to the, uh, uh, president to the office of president that didn't engage in fraud, whether it was Ronald Reagan manipulating the Iran Hostages, hostage yeah, yep. deal. And we know George Bush and his uh, big brother in Florida, that's fresh in our minds. But if we go back to Nixon and remember, they were on the verge of negotiating peace with the Vietnamese. And Nixon right, said, right. if you wait and keep the war going, when I, if I win the election, I'll give you a sweeter deal. I'll give you weapons. I'll give you more concessions. Mm -hmm. Went behind the back and literally committed treason. Right. So Republicans don't win elections, national elections, or even Senate uh, elections fair and square because they simply do not represent the interest of enough people to do so. Right. The Republicans only exist with the original intent. The only protected minority in US politics is something called the minority of the opulent, the, the few mm. extremely rich influential individuals. And that's the only truly protected minority by the state. And the Republican, the reason why uh, casual observers look at the Republicans as being so forceful and the Democrats as being so passive is because the Republicans are able to openly engage in protecting the minority of the opulent, whereas the Democrats have a facade of being the People's Party or the Opposition Party or a leftist liberal party when they truly do have, in essence, um, the, the, the mission of protecting the minority of the opulent. But the difference emerges in methodology. So wait, yeah, just, let, me stop you. let me stop you right there. I'm gonna let you continue on for a second. I just wanna break in. Because right. um, I'm curious about um, something you said, like uh, I don't think it's untrue that Republicans have stolen elections or done things to sort of give themselves a better shot. Mm. But is it, is, are you suggesting somehow that the Republicans don't have a base of support within the white community? Um, and I'm curious about other fo folks thought on that, that yes, necessarily the win them most of these elections anyway, particularly when those white folks see themselves in an antagonistic position vis-a-vis -vis black folks, right? Yes, the Republicans have a base of support in the white community, and that's all they have. And it's inadequate. It has been inadequate to win elections since the post-World War II. Prior to World War II, having a white, uh, a large white uh, voter base was more than enough to win elections in a democratic system. But since um, going back to, to, to uh, Reconstruction era, uh, we're, at, we're literally, this election is the 100 year anniversary of women's suffrage and then expansion of, of, of the vote to other previously out groups and civil rights legislation. Now, the, the Republicans got mostly rural and, and a large significant number of white people, but the Democrats have a little less than 50% of whites, upwards of 90% of blacks, depending on the election cycle, 70 to 80% of Hispanics. They have a large number of, 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 of Jewish, have a large number of um, Asian, Hmong, East Indian, West Indian, so that they have a more diverse or what they call themselves, the Democrats call themselves the big tent party. So yes, if it was yeah. just, if you, if you left the election strictly to white folks, the Republicans would have a majority. So let me but, stop you, let me stop you. I wanna bring some of the other guests back in to, mm -hmm. to sort of like, sort of mull on that. And, and in some ways too, to like, does it like, 
does it make, how big of a difference does it make folks, and I think, Jared, you were alluding to this, between having this, this party, which may have a more multiracial base to it, uh, or, or, and a party or, or, that's all white. Uh, a multiracial racial front to it, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Because, yeah, yeah. again, it tries to put that persona on, but when it comes down to it, it's the same thing. It's like Malcolm talked about the fox versus the wolf. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. the same process. Mm -hmm. I, I have to. I well, have let to me stop you. I'm going to bring the other guest in. Um, I'm going to get back to you. Uh, Jared Zakir, you guys have any comments on that? Yeah, I definitely uh, disagree a little bit um, with that analysis. Um, and again, this is just based on my own lived experience in doing policy work. I think we underestimate <coughs> the amount of conservatism um, in a lot of other communities of color. It's not just white people that identify with Republican values, period. Um, and certainly we see even in this election, which is strange, you know, Derek pointed this out, it's strange that, you know, Republicans actually increased uh, their support uh, in the House and then did not lose any state legislature. Right. Um, and so when you think about that and when you look at at least some of the early data, now we know that the data can potentially, you know, change, but when you look at some of the early data, uh, Trump actually increased his support among black people, um, double the support among black women. women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, when we look at uh, his support among the Latino community, I saw some interesting data out of Texas, um, some border counties. I mean, we cannot underestimate the socialization of white supremacy in people of color as well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, there are some things that people identify with in Trumpism, I think that's what we need to be talking about instead of pathologizing people. I mean, there's a lot of, um, uh, when I looked at uh, Asians even, Asians are conservative. I, I'm, con I'm confused. Now, I know that no community is monolithic, but when you think about the Chinese and you think about some of the Japanese, the moneyed Asians, they're very conservative. And, and anti-black in many ways as well. So mm -hmm. maybe not, you know, some of the, the, the other, you know, more oppressed Asian communities, but I just don't think we need to be underestimating um, the level of um, conservatism, not necessarily Trumpism, but there's a lot of things that people, especially when you think about faith, when you think about guns. Mm -hmm. I mean, I come, I was raised in the South in Alabama mm -hmm. and I know my family is very much so pro second amendment. That doesn't mean they vote Republican, but if it came down to it, they will fight for that right. You know what I'm saying? So. I don't know. I, I I just see things differently. And also based on my own work in the state of Ohio, um, there's a lot of conservative black people, especially in churches. I'll give you a prime example. And this is when Bush ran in uh, 2004 in the state of Ohio. There was a constitutional amendment on the ballot in Ohio to define marriage as between a man and a woman. That constitutional ballot passed because of black people. Mm hmm. And black people voted in high numbers. Like they voted for Kerry mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. president, but for that ballot initiative, it was a way over 50%. Wow. So we're going to take our first break here. And when we come back, uh, we're going to pick up on the conversation. Jared, I see you itching a little bit. So when we come back, we're going to start off with you. Uh, Renegade Culture, we're going to be right back. Yes, sir. Boom.
like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. <laughs> renegade culture, renegade to culture. We had to get that in for you. I did that just for you, bro. Just for you, yo. I appreciate that. Renegade culture. You know what I'm saying? Yo, we back on the air with our guests, uh, Sister Zakia, Brother Diallo, Brother Jared. We want to thank them for coming on. We're talking about the post-election. Dr. Jared. Dr. Jared. Come on, man. Come on, man. Give us props. True that? True, true. Come on now. Come on now. Okay, ear doctor. Yeah, well, you know. The one ear doctor. Who's the ear doctor? Oh, the one ear doctor. Degree, okay. One I won't be all bougie that's about like, it. That's, that's, like, that's like Dr. Dre. Dr. Dr. Dre. Doctor. You know okay, what okay. You we know get it. We get yeah. it. But uh, Jared, yeah, man. So we want to uh, come back to you to kind of pick up on a point that we were just talking about from the, the comment that Diallo made. Then we'll go on to the next one. I know you were kind of itching. Well, there's just a lot. There's a lot to try to get in there, but mm -hmm. but uh, first of all, I I appreciate recognition of my degree. If, if for no other reason, I'm still paying for it. So, right. so I, I, you know, it's it's and I'm probably going to be forever. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so might as well. But 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 so there's a lot of things going on here. First, I always want to try to point out that there's the 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 grand hustle here is the suggestion that any of these processes can lead to the kind of change that we want. So so all of this emphasis on the vote. Uh, the one thing that Chomsky has said that I agree with on these elections, because he keeps coming back to vote for all these Democrats, is that these are quadrennial extravaganzas. These are spectacle. Mm. These are shows. These mm. are theater. This is why Trump has done so well. The WWE, uh, you know, Hall of Fame member, right? the talk show host. I mean, this is why this is why he's doing so well. But part of the problem that I see in 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 I think in general, I think Diallo is correct that that the the two parties have tried to at least establish themselves on this basis. Certainly, since the 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 you know the Fannie Lou Hamer moment, uh, where where you know the Dixiecrats went to the Republican parties and everybody sort of switched switched spots, but but the Republicans have tried to maintain themselves by basically being the party of overt white nationalism, and the Democrats have tried to be the Fox-like party that has tried to build, as, as Diallo said, the Big Tent. Uh, to bring in more "quote unquote" diverse people, uh, diversity to to keep up with the numbers, um, that is the broad the the broad game they've tried to play. But but within that, there's a lot of other things happening. So I keep wanting to go back to that 2014 Princeton University study that looked at 25 plus years of elections and of of, of policy in this country rather, and showed that we're that we this country is an oligopoly or an oligarchy rather not a, a, a democracy because mm -hmm. they showed that regardless of the, the amount of people in this country across race that support any policy, if the elite don't support it, it doesn't pass. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, uh, and they went back 20, 25 years and I mean, did a you know, pretty thorough look at this. So, so I think, you know, I, I'd like, the other thing is, is that when, uh, where I disagree with a little bit, I think with what Zakia is saying is that the conservatism, first of all, the white supremacy in, is is rampant within our communities, just in the, in the even in the idea that we would want to support dem Democrats. Mm -hmm. I mean, that to me is, is no less a, a symptom of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. But the other part of it is, is that um, the, the, there has been an intentional creation. I mean, we could point to people like Karl Rove, you know, Bush's brain, for instance, who <laughs> led the, the, the way of creating for what Zakia talks about, those single issue uh, uh, platforms to reduce all of these elections to gay marriage or abortion or, or one of these other issues to mess with people like that because what they keep real, what they what everybody is up against. Both, well, well, but about, well, okay, okay, good. But, but, but the, the, but, but what both parties are, are playing with is that over and, and don't want to acknowledge. And it was even reported this week, even by Fox news that 72% of the people in this country want universal health care. 80% of people want an end to war. 
everybody want, even Fox News viewers were saying, I think it was up to like 80% want more government involvement in, in all, you know, in healthcare and in, in, in job creation, all kinds of stuff. So, so, but, but those are never issues we can vote for. Those are never issues we can actually get in the game on. So everybody has to be reduced, particularly like in this cycle to voting for the lesser of evil, if for no other reason, they're just not the other person. So mm -hmm. everything gets reduced to this spectacle so that nobody is able, actually able to uh, 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 advocate or develop a platform and, and run on that and, and, uh, uh, and vote on that basis, which is why, you know, we, I think we need to keep coming back to uh, a development of our own, you know, organize, organized approach to electoral politics in ways we're not doing now. And the last point I just want to bring up very quickly is that Greg Pallast has been showing as a journalist for decades now and doing great work on exposing the voter purging that goes on mm -hmm. in this country, mm -hmm. that the real hustle that nobody, so, so even before we came on here, um, I'm watching CNN and they're talking about how, you know, they're all getting excited about how Biden is closing gaps or holding leads and this, that, and the third, but none of them will report the fact that hundreds of thousands, and Greg Palace has documented this, hundreds of thousands of black people, just for instance, in Georgia alone have been purged from the voter oh, yeah, rolls, didn't exactly. even get the chance to vote mm -hmm. and, and would have given the, the election to Biden. So even where it would benefit their own candidate, they don't want to get, get into what they are all well aware of is the hustle of the voting, the voting rigging, yes. the, the, the electronic voting rigging, mm -hmm. the voter purging, all that kind of stuff. And then the last point that Greg Palace has also showed is that the Democrats, particularly in the South, support the 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 uh, continued uh, uh, purging of those black voters because they fear the Fannie Lou Hamer black party emerging in, in the South that would take away their attempt to be that big tent. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so there's all this hustle going on with these two parties, and we we are caught, you know, not even in the middle, but off on the side and and not getting anything that we 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 are uh, so, well and deserve. So with that being said, I just want to uh, go on record and say we are not disagreeing. Okay. That, I was only pointing out you're right. I mean, in naming Carl Rove as the architect as that because he did like he he really looked at the I guess the conservative pieces right. within the black community and targeted our churches. It was very strategic. Right. We can admit that. And and clearly, you're absolutely right on uh, you know socialized medicine and, and and Medicare for all, which is why I was so angry uh, when the Democrats, as we all know, um, certainly did their own voter suppression tactics, as we know in 2016 and 2020, and 2020 against 2020, Bernie right, Sanders. Right. So let's talk about that. Right. <laughs> but now, but now, you know, also now, one thing that we talked about, we saw an uptick of black people that were voting Republican. Diallo. Why do you think that, what, what, what kind of caused that phenomenon? Do you think that the rappers played any part about it or, or do you think uh, it was frustrated? What do you think that every, is? Every cycle, George Bush in his second uh, uh, drive to, to, in, to take the White House, um, he got more black votes in the first cycle than the mm. second one. That's generally, that's the power of incumbency. Mm. So an incumbents have a natural, that's why a lot of people push for term limits. But when you go from 3% uh, to 6% and you say you doubled your vote, that is, that is a manipulation of, of, of the, the weight and significance of the increase in, in voting. So uh, the Republicans um, black support is for, for such a, uh, uh, a racially diverse community that has diverse, it is obscene and, and getting 17% of black male votes and three to 5% of black female votes is nothing to, to celebrate or for us to be shocked about. Black people, we've always had 
Uncle Tom sellouts and bootlickers, and we got black Mormons, we got black Jehovah Witnesses, overtly racist. I mean, black people, there are some black people that will follow white folks off of any clip. So I don't think it's significant enough to, for us to be surprised at because that is nothing more than a political uh, anomaly or a political fact that incumbents always get more recognition, they're more trusted, um, in the ideas. But I also want to say that the Republicans are not a conservative party. The terms mm -hmm. re liberal and conservatives are beat to hell by the corporate press, but they're not a conservative party. And uh, there's a big difference between social conservatism and mm -hmm. political conservatism. Mm -hmm. There is no strand of political conservatism well, yeah. in the black community. There's a very strong strand of social conservatism. And black people always advance political uh, uh, liberalism or their political um, mm -hmm. liberalism over their social, they're willing to put their social conservatism on the black burner when it comes to larger um, gains to be made in, sure. in any political cycle. No doubt. So, and I, I just don't like, I'm not saying championing, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. Yeah. I didn't vote for Biden or Trump in this election. I voted green, but saying the, the Democrats are no different than the Republicans is like saying Protestantism is no different than Catholicism. There are differences in, in the, and if we don't comprehend the differences in dogma and, and, and approach, it makes us less effective in opposition and subverting them. So we have to acknowledge the differences if we're gonna mount effective campaigns against them to subvert so, or manipulate them in our favor. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go on record and say, I think when I hear, what I hear when people say there's no difference, especially when it comes to the black community, anybody that's lived in a city in this country, I think um, know that when black people say there's no difference, there's a famous meme that goes around Facebook, the hood when a Democrat is reelected or in the hood when a Republican is elected and it's the same picture, mm -hmm. meaning that their material conditions have not changed. Right. And I mean, Jared just pointed, you know, to uh, a report that talks about in the last 25 years, like if the elite is not with it, which is most of the time they're against anything that's going to increase the material uh, conditions of, 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 of working class people, then to me, that's not a far fetch. Of course, there are differences. But I think on a larger, uh, more macro level, no. Um, I, I have to argue that it's just not true. If it was true, I wish it were true so we could just say that and dismiss it. We can disagree. I, I, I just disagree. Right. But we have material evidence to support either your position or mine. I was in Chicago. I've been in Chicago for, for a decade. So I've been through a Republican governor, I've been a Democratic governor, Republican governor, and back to a Democratic governor. Uh, the Republican governor, uh, the Democratic governor instituted a moratorium on the death penalty. The Republican governor came and re reversed that moratorium. And then the Democrat that got elected reinstituted that. And maybe for a lot of us, but for people with, like my father, who was, was, was tried to, they tried to bring him up on capital murder. Those minute things, especially mm -hmm. when we have a predatory police department in the Chicago PD that has torture confessions out of black people. And we have so many black people being, I just got a, a childhood friend of mine who spent 27 years in, in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Does the governor control so the I'm, police department? I'm, I'm not, I'm not finished. No, I didn't, I stated what the governor did. I said that the governor put a moratorium on the death, death penalty, penalty. Right. and that, means something. It right. is not liberation. It is not 
you know, it's not repairing the blight in our community, mm -hmm. but those type of minute changes allow, gives us opportunity. James Baldwin says sometimes when black folks vote, they're only voting for uh, time, more time. Sometimes we're not voting for a representative. Sometimes we're voting for a more vulnerable enemy mm. where we're trying to determine who can we best beat the hell out of. So we got to vote for the proper, we want to handpick our enemy. So I'm saying also in Missouri, or I lived in New York under Deacons and under Giuliani. And there was on the ground material differences in the behavior and the functioning no of the state and no the doubt. responsiveness of the state There's There's under Giuliani's <laughs> mayorship versus uh, who no, was a Republican and Dinkins. And no, it's not liberation. Liberation yeah. is never on the ballot, but that doesn't mean, it doesn't subvert our, our desire, our moves to liberation to acknowledge that there are material differences between these two oppressive parties. So let me sure. jump in so because- I will say, uh, me, No, I have to respond, please. You gotta respond? I'm gonna let you yes, respond. Yes, I have to. So <laughs> I think that's great. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm happy that, you know, you, you, your governor uh, in Illinois was able to make that uh, happen in terms of the death penalty. I support that. However, we all have antidotal stories from, the, as I mentioned at the outset, you know, I've been an organizer uh, for well over 15 years now, and I've been organizing particularly around education justice. And I can tell you uh, that in the state of Ohio, from my perspective and from the organizing and policy advocacy work that I've done, it was barriers. And this is education. So this is supposed mm -hmm. to be a democratic, right? We're mm -hmm, supposed to have liberals mm -hmm. are supposed to be on our side. Mm -hmm. Black children are getting their ass kicked in schools when it comes to the school to prison pipeline, when it comes to majority white teachers, when it comes to opportunity gaps. And I was fighting for working class parents. It started with my own story when my three-year-old son was being identified by a white teacher as a problem and expelled from a preschool. So old. I started organizing other poor working class black women. I went to my black state representative who was a Democrat and asked him to repeal Ohio's zero tolerance law. I asked him to institute a law that would ban pre-K through third grade suspensions in the state of Ohio. His response is, do you want a cosmetic bill or do you want this bill to actually go through? I said, we want the bill to go through. This was a learning experience for me. I had no idea what's a cosmetic bill. I didn't even know they played those kind of games. And I said, well, what are you talking about? He did not introduce the bill. Why? Because the teachers unions donate money to the Democratic Party. The, the unions mm. are not always on our side. That's right. and, and, and there's too much evidence uh, 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 to the contrary, it was a Republican state lawmaker who took up our issue. They also had the power to move it because they have the power of the Ohio legislature and the Ohio governorship. Mm. And, 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 and I'm wrapping up, but I have to uh, finish the story. It took us three and a half years to get this done with a Republican lawmaker, but we were able to get it done. And now John Kasich is, is, is speaking at the DNC. He was the governor that signed our bill in 2018. So we got all these anecdotal uh, evidence, but but it's not true. I, I, I agree still on the macro level, but these are anecdotes. On the macro level, the hood does not change. Yeah, so, because, uh, and Jared, I'm gonna bring you in on this point, because <coughs> the feeling is obviously that uh, both of these parties, whether we, uh, both of these parties represent wealth. And, and elite values and corporations and so forth. And obviously, there are some differences. I don't think there's a lot of dispute. But what the, and as you said, in some ways, obviously, that's not liberation. So if it's not liberation and it's only a tactic, um, why don't we use some different tactics or some different ways other than using these two parties or these two vehicles? And I, br I bring that up, Jared, 
to you, because uh, at some point, you know, if Biden does win uh, facetiously, I brought this up a little bit, not even that facetiously, actually, that now black liberals, right, who feel like they played a role will be dusting off those resumes. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be dusting off policy ideas exactly. or overt policy, but they're going to be dusting off those resumes. Um, is it, it how hard, like, it feels like our community is captured by this certain black uh, elite, liberal elite, that teams us to the Democratic Party. What do you think, one, I mean, I'm going to give you a softball, why that is, but what do you think we got to do to break that away um, and to think about doing some, some different things? So uh, again, first, I just want to say very quickly that, that the, the, the exchange that, that my two co-panelists just had, I think is indicative of part of the problem I was trying to point to earlier. I think both make very good points, but for me, the problem still remains that when, when if it comes to larger issues, we cannot get them on the table. So uh, uh, I think we all have particular and anecdotal and personal experiences that we can point to. Uh, but if I want, you know, when I talk about something, if I want political prisoners free, if I want AFRICOM ended, if I want a redistribution of the GDP and an end of military and, and policing, all that stuff, we need something else. There's no difference, right. There's no difference and there's no pathway to that. You know, all this talk of pathway to victory with the election, there's no pathway to victory through these two parties. So in this way, this is why, uh, you know, I, I like uh, Diallo, at least in this election, voted for the Green Party, in part just to make an argument that we need to, to, to move in alternative directions. What I'd really like to see us doing is, uh, and that's why I've been you know, calling myself a Malcolm X voter, is to say we need to organize around the vote the way Malcolm advocated it, particularly at the end of his life, which is to say we need independent black parties, blocks, uh, campaigns, candidates in our own sets of agenda items. Because to your point, if I understood Kamau, if, even if Biden wins, he will have won without, for, particularly from us, much less anybody else, uh, with a, a platform, without, a, without a, a, an agenda. Uh, he so wouldn't even talk to Ice Cube. What's up with that? I mean, again, you know, so so that's actually the point. I'm glad you said that because that's actually one of the points I wanted to get bring up just very quickly is that that, Diallo, that I see you. one of the reasons why all of these black uh, th there is always room for the handfuls of black people to go in this direction, as Diallo pointed out, is in part because the Democratic Party doesn't ever do anything for real, doesn't ever do anything substantively, and keeps leaving this door open for people to go out and find other alternatives. So what I'm trying to say is, if we do a better job of organizing, when they start to float out, they won't go to the right wing, they won't go to the conservatives and other, you know, they'll go to a, have a more radical electoral option to go to, because what I'd like to really see is that become a pathway to greater levels of heightened struggle, organization, uh, um, and to the point that Malcolm was also making that this would, the, this electoral thing would be reduced in, in its focus in our lives to being just one of so many other tactics right. that we need to be engaged in. Um, that's, that's really uh, uh, what I'm, but, but very quickly before this, the, the last couple of days, I looked this up. Um, one of the major funders to your point, Kamal, about why we can't get this conversation and, you know, expanded, uh, and the people going for the check, uh, uh, after the, you know, Biden's potential victory here is that, um, the, the nonprofit funding structure behind the scenes is so powerful. Mm -hmm. So I was looking it up and Act Blue, one of the major Democratic Party uh, uh, funding nonprofits was working with an operating budget of almost, of over three and a half billion dollars for this 2020 election season. 
um, that that is a lot of money going out to people, particularly in commercial media, who want ad revenue. You know, my 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 the late my late mentor, the late great Ron Walters, who admitted he was a reformist and not a revolutionary to his credit. I mean, one of the last newspaper articles he wrote in 2008 was a, a condemnation of the Obama campaign for not giving the black commercial press the money it was used to getting from these election cycles because they were taking the black vote for granted. Mm -hmm. And my point in bringing that up is that that was an exposure or a, a reminder of this under, under sort of behind the scenes structure that puts all these pundits out. If you don't get, if you don't support the Democratic nominee or the Democratic Party, you mm -hmm. don't get invited to a lot of commercial spaces. You don't get any money. You don't, you lose your political and social capital and financial capital to a certain extent. And then you get marginalized and have to, you know, uh, uh, you know, come hang out with us at Renegade Culture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. True, true. So, so when we come back, Diallo, I see you chomping at the bit. So when we come back, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you do your thing. Uh, we're gonna take our second break, come back for our third segment, Renegade Culture, we'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. Two years ago, a friend of mine asked me to say some MC lines. So, so I, I said, said this rhyme. I'm about to say. Uh -huh. The rhyme was deaf and then it went, went this way. way. Yeah, also, yeah. I mean, we didn't do this really quick. Diallo, Zakia, you guys are new. My man Jared knows this by heart. So we got a little theme song real quick that we like to do with our guests. So I want y'all to join in. You know what I'm saying? It goes a little something like this. The R, the E, the N, the A, the G, the G, the A, the D, the E, it's Renegade Word Up. Renegade Culture Word Up. Word Up. Boom. Y'all can't. This is our laughter. I didn't see you really participate, so I'm not going to hold that against you. I participated. You did? Okay, okay, okay. So Diallo, I know you had some stuff that you was holding that you wanted to get out about some of the other commentary. Yeah, I mean, I really resent this whole thing because it's it's forcing me to have to advocate for things I hate. Are you coming off like the conservative, brother? You don't got to give me this conservative. You can break that. I'm playing the Caucus Mountain Cave Dwell. But before I get, before I do that, I'm yeah. going to take advantage of my colorful language uh, opportunity right. and say fuck Ice Cube, fuck <laughs> contract, and fuck him for getting my goddamn YouTube flag for when I did a line by line breakdown and analysis of his uh, punk ass plan. And you know, if you want to hear what, go listen to Ice Cube's song "I Ain't the One," mm. and he he where he talks about how women black, females come to him and try to ask him for money. And benefits and how he manipulates them into thinking they're gonna get benefits and money from him and he gets everything from them and they get nothing from him. Mm -hmm. And he played a whole that, you did, that yeah. same hole with Ice with Trump. But don't get me started. What right. I wanna say, number one, um, it's not true that um, these large issues are not can't be put on the table with this uh, with the major parties. I hate to say it, but it, it's true. There have been in large scale issues that have been advanced by the both parties. And the only difference between the, the masses of the people being able to get their interests above and beyond the, through the party blockage and the elites and not being able to is the level of mobilization and cohesion amongst the masses. Mm. We have accomplished a lot of things on the ground. Uh, Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, the, the, the end of Vietnam War and, 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 and the campaign 60, of gun diplomacy, um, the Great Society, Pell Grants, uh, the U.S. withdrawal of, of direct open aggression against Cuba, 
apartheid. You don't know how much groundwork was done to get the U.S. to finally turn against South Africa, which when the U.S. finally started to withdraw support from South Africa, and even in the Congo, as much as the mess as the Congo was, uh, Mobutu fell within a month of the U.S. withdrawing support and groundswell. So if and not only that, when, when, when scumbag presidents get into office, if the people are organized enough, Nixon was the most progressive president we've had since FDR. Nixon gave us what? The EPA, Endangered Species Act, Social Security. He expanded Social Security for to more people disabled and survivors of death. Nixon did some of the most progressive policies, not because he was a good man, but because Nixon was afraid of the people. The fact that there's a gate and a fence and a wall around the White House is actually a sign that they are afraid of the people. When I go into the elite areas here in Chicago, everything is boarded up. And now the white communities look like war zones. And in these times, in these times, we can wrestle concessions. You're never going to get uh, to vote for liberation and you're never going to get a, a, a system to willingly uh, commit suicide. So the ultimate revolution comes from us. But if we're talking strictly about politics and what is possible, the fact that you have major parties who wouldn't even acknowledge that such a thing as a single player or expansion, the, the fact that they have to discuss that and every politician has to stand up that Nancy Pelosi had to stand up last year and say, we are a capitalist party. We are not a socialist party. Mm -hmm. The fact that she had to shows that there's opportunities. And as Dell Jones teaches us, revolution is a process, is not an event. And you never go from, no matter what revolution you study, you never go from absolute tyranny to liberation. There's always these cracks and breaks in the system, whether it's uh, the monarchical system or, or capitalism. There's always these cracks and breaks. And then you keep piling on but to that always, but as you mobilize point, independent of the system. Let me just jump in and I'm going to have the guests come in. Uh, but, there's, but there's a break. And some of the stuff you're talking about are not breaks, right? There are, there's, there's obviously, um, no one is saying that there's not a range of change that happens in the country, but usually it's based on an evaluation by the elite of what they can get away with giving up mm -hmm. in order yeah, to hold yeah. on to more power, right? Yeah, this so is an ongoing so, whoa, 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 struggle. Whoa, 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 whoa. So All what right. I'm saying is, and so at the same time Nixon was doing that, right? He was actively destroying the Black Panther right, Party, exactly. right? He was yes, actively absolutely. killing, right? And, and he was murdering and yes. killing. What, what, let me get it out, brother. He was actually, <laughs> he was actively destroying the more radical edge of movement mm -hmm. because he understood, as Kennedy understood, as Johnson, even as FDR, others understood, there was a certain progressivism that was that could be done, but still allowed the capture or the keeping of the uh, the resources and the money in the hands of the elite and to give enough to keep people um, from not doing what exactly what you may be saying is tearing down the wall. One Russian right? house, Yeah. Right. So before right. I let you respond to y'all, I want to let, make sure the other guests get some time in. I'm going to let uh, Jared and then, and then we, we can come back to after Zakia and you come back. Go ahead, Jack. On the one hand, I think Diallo makes some good points, and I think it's important to, to at least start with where I think he ended on the importance of movements and people being or, out there in the streets and organized and creating as much problem as possible. Uh, I, I agree with that. Where I think I disagree is that uh, behind some of the scenes of, of some of the examples that, that Diallo raised were a lot of things that were going on that, that obviously we don't have time to get into. But but for instance, like when he talked about the pressure on South Africa, yeah, a lot of us, a lot of people were involved with anti-apartheid work and put a lot of pressure on South Africa that did have an impact. 
but there was a lot of stuff happening internally into in the country with you know for instance the suppression of Chris Hani and the radical militants uh, the 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 deal that that Mandela ended up making that, yes. that got rid of the yes. socialist revolution and got exactly. put the arms I mean all this kind of stuff you know of course then Chris Hani had to be assassinated you know uh, uh, um, uh, and then Desmond Tutu wrote in his own book the reason they did the TRC the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, uh, um, uh, and in making comparisons to to post World War II Nazi Germany. Uh, he, he said the difference between South Africa and, and the thing that happened with the Nazis in the Nuremberg trials was that he said, quote, we didn't win. So he even acknowledged that South Africa is not a victory. This is this is sort of the part, you know, there's a neo-colonial shift that happens in this also. Mm -hmm. Same thing in, in the Congo. We just had a conversation with Kambali Musabuli the other day. The Congo is, is jacked up. It's a mess. And part of the shift from Mobutu and all this other stuff uh, and getting rid of Mobutu was again, the neo-colonial shift to get rid of this overt horrific person and replace it with a more subversive corporate commercial neo-colonial operation that to this day is still is ravaging the people in, any, in that, in that, in that uh, country and on the, throughout the continent. Um, so anyway, I, I just would, I'll, I'll end where I started with the agreement I think we need is we need to be much more organized, much more militant a, a, across an array of, of activities where electoral politics are just one version and one part of that. Uh, uh, and that's the kind of work, not, it, it, it's, it's not the more glorified uh, uh, external pressures mm -hmm. that, that, that do work and do have an impact that, that make the real change that we wanna see, but it's the internal struggles that, that, that are often suppressed beneath and often more radical and militant that I think we need to engage in and revisit if we wanna really make something happen. And then by the way, just lastly real quick, some of the things that Nixon did do, I mean, these are you know relatively, they may be seem, seem progressive, but only relative to the horrific nature of the state. I mean, Pell Grants and Social Security, I mean, these are some basic things that, right. that are not even bare minimums that we should already uh, have as a basic standard for, for, for our engagement with, with the political system uh, on any level. So uh, anyway, yeah. Anyway. So Zakia, I want to let you jump in if you had something. Uh, ditto, shit, everything. <laughs> um, seriously, I mean, you know, the other thing that I feel like, you know, because I've been having a lot of these conversations over the last couple of weeks, you know, with the advent of everything being online and all these conversations. One of the things that I never hear that come up, like we, you know, we love our Asadas of the world. We love our Sekou Dingas. We like, we love our political prisoners, Mumia and all of them. But what I don't see is that same energy uh, that these people had, uh, even in like this Trump era. I, I, I actually thought, because in Ohio, you know, I was looking at things on the ground in 2016. I was still living there then. And I predicted that Trump would win because he just, the, the support is not just of white poor people. He certainly had a lot of white educated people uh, and, you know, rich people who support him. And I was just like, wow, you know, when he won, I'm like, oh man, ooh, we about to get it on. <laughs> you know, it's getting ready to be some radical organizing and all of this stuff. And then I started seeing how things were unfolding and people were just like capitulating, like just, oh, I, I was like, oh, okay, we're going back to business as usual. Oh, okay. You know, and so, I feel like, you know, all of these grand things that we're talking about that we need, I don't feel like they're, and I don't know what the, I don't have like the answer fully, like what the psych, psychological like issue is with why people are not literally tearing shit up and like doing what, what was happening, you know, that we saw in some other countries, like to just shut this government down is that I feel like, and, and, and Jared alluded to this earlier, I feel like they, they have uh, done a good job with selecting leadership in our community uh, that I call the black elite and, and the so black mis the mis leadership chat. class. 
the blue I check. I feel like they, yeah, I feel, yeah, <laughs> I feel like they've done a good job with that. And that three billion dollars, brother, I see a lot of uh, black people who got some of that money. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's the tension, and we're not talking about that. Like we have traitors in our fuck. I mean, excuse me, in our community. And and it's always been like that. When when you think about what happened with, you know, Marcus Garvey, it was Negroes that wrote to J. Edgar Hoover oh, yeah. to, to get oh, yeah. him. I mean, come on, like we okay. still have this happening. Right. You know, um, Booker T. Washington and, and W. Bidow. So the black misleadership class has always been a buffer <laughs> between yeah, revolution of the masses who want to organize. The and then I would say right. finally. The masses is also out here literally struggling, y'all. Like, I, I, I get choked up sometimes because before COVID, I traveled all around the country. And our economic conditions are in the toilet. And it's only going to get worse as, and we're not also talking about this, this technological revolution mm -hmm. is getting ready to get rid of the jobs that we normally do. Yeah. Working class, essential working people. We're not even, Biden didn't even talk about none of that. No, We're not nothing. talking about Elon I mean, Biden Musk. talked about shit, though. Biden, they, I mean, he didn't have a campaign. This, this is the weakest candidate ever. This shit is getting bad, y'all, and it's going to get worse. And I'm, I'm really concerned about the level of conversation that even we're having like we're not like forecasting what's happening and and it don't look good y'all it, it just don't so on that note um i want to thank you guys for coming on yeah this has been a fantastic like been the most intellectual show i think we've had in a long time thank you, you know thank you I mean, thank yeah you. i mean some of it's got to be you. like we're missing somebody and so it feels <laughs> like it's a little you know a little more buoyant and good um so uh first i'm going to give everybody an opportunity to say how can folks reach you um, get in touch with you in terms of your social media. Jared, let me start with you. Again, I appreciate being on. I mix what I like.org at I mix what I like for all your relevant social media. And I definitely want to uh, uh, invite myself back to because to Zakia's point, I, I'm just wrapping up with, with some colleagues a, a report on the state of black businesses mm. uh, and and the, and the conditions that our people are facing. And it is it is horrific and going to get way worse. So it's I'd like horrific. to come back and talk much more about that when that report comes out very soon. And people shouldn't Thank forget you. the the myth and propaganda black buying power. Um, they should pick that up and great and read book, about, brother. Yeah, great book fantastic. too. Thank you very um, much. And it's still free. People can get it still for free. That's the best kind. That's the best kind of book, bro. Um, brother Diallo, tell us how we folks can get in touch with you and find out more about your work. DialloKenyatta.com or at Diallo Kenyatta across social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, blog, um, at Diallo Kenyatta. Yeah. Definitely appreciate you being on as well, brother. Um, um, Zakia, how do folks get in contact with you? I, I love the fire and the passion. How do folks get in contact with you? Yes, sir. Uh, so on Twitter, uh, Zakia Shinyere, I think I sent it to you on email. And uh, people can just put in Zakia Sankara Jabbar on uh, Facebook, and you can find me there as well. Cool. Thank y'all. We're going to have all of y'all back. We know this yeah, discussion. Yeah, man. Great show. Got, appreciate y'all. We, we wanted to go deeper. But obviously, as time allows, and we're going to have all y'all back to discuss discuss this again, right? Peace, y'all. Renegade culture. Peace. We'll be back. Peace. This is dope, y'all. And, and don't forget, we got King Malachi coming back. That's right. Conversation going to give us some bars and whatnot. So don't go nowhere. King Malachi, Boom. Renegade culture. Boom. This DJ, he gets down. Mixing records while they go around with a hip. Uh -huh. uh, you just don't, don't stop. stop. You rock to the beat till the record stop.
Ooh, Man, a gay ooh, culture. Yo. You know it's hip hop history, man. You know, you know what I'm saying? Get it in. I'm loving because it it's like it's it's if. It's the hip hop that I when I first got in for heard hip hop. Yeah, hip hop was born. Man. And I'm it's like, the I heard all them songs. That's that early seventies rap right there. Boy. Late seventies. <laughs> not, not, not no early seventies, man. Know late, your history, late, young. Late. See, that's why we gotta teach the youngest the history. I know, young The first rap record didn't come out in '79. But come on now. Oh, hey. Come on now. Come on, DJ Air Doctor. Come on now. Shh. You gonna be replaced? Did you know that, John? Come on now. You know I didn't really know that. That's why we're here. We studied so many, learn. We learn so we can teach. True that. True. True. You know what, man? Well, we we got a superstar in the house with us tonight, a bro. Superstar. Superstar. Like I one of that. my favorite artists. Now, you know me. I know. I'm highly critical of artists. You are. So you if are. I like you, that's one thing. But if I love you, like I love this brother coming on, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know he gotta be all that. Let's Damn. give it up right now for King Malachi. Yeah. No doubt, man. Got a man. king in the house. Got a king no. in the house for real. I mean, you hear that baritone voice. He's like, he's like, hey, man, listen, man. God, Malachi. Was <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> we were talking about, you know, he's like uh, Jimmy Spicer and my voice. It's baritone, and I really don't need no microphone. That's the king for real, because he really don't need a microphone. He's been tearing down stages all around the world. Damn. King Malachi, welcome, brother. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming over. It's good to have you. Man, Yo, good black. to have you here for sure, yeah. man. So, I mean, give the people just a little background of who you are. We know you've done many different things, but um, tell them, who, who is King Malachi? You know, um, I grew up originally in Orangeburg, South Carolina. I was South Carolina. I was born in Stanford, Connecticut. Orangeburg is an odd baby. Um, I've been doing music since a child. My mother was the lead singer of the church choir. Me and my me and my brother used to sing background for my mother. You Word. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you know, um, my first instrument was a recordion. Um, second grade, you know, fifth grade. Um, I got. I was the only kid in my school system who owned a tenor saxophone. Mm. And my first sax was a Vito. Oh. I had a tenor and an alto and a trumpet. Um, ninth grade, you know, before I got expelled, I oh. won, um, <laughs> I made it the solo ensemble mm -hmm. um, in the state of South Carolina. I made it with honors. That's what's up. So all praises due to the most high, man, for real. The music is a gift for me. For so you're real. a musician, musician, and we know that you're, you, you've you been in the game for a long time. We wanted mm -hmm. to briefly touch on the fact you know, you did work with, with P. Diddy back in the day. Tell us a little That's bit. That's why he was Puff. He wasn't even P. Diddy. He was Puff back then. Word, word, word. up. Right. At that time, you know, he didn't even have an office yet for um, Bad Boy, you know. He mm -hmm. was still taking meetings at Uptown. And so, you know, I was in a group at that time. I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, salute the 112 because I love them. Them boys bananas. Yeah, yeah. But we did beat them for that deal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> up. Salute the 112. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. But at that particular time, you know, we didn't take the deal, you know, because he wanted 50% of the publishing and mm -hmm. the merchandising. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's crazy, though, because after I did my own thing in the streets, musically, and selling my own product and everything, and having minimal promotions and all that, yeah. I still could have took that that situation, the hustler I am, I would have still been a multi-millionaire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Period. True indeed. Yeah. And at that time, they wasn't getting all the show money. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, True man. indeed. I would have been going crazy. What no 360 back then? I would have been going crazy. Oh, crazy. Merchandise and shows, he would get 50% cool. It's, but at that time, we I was splitting it with a group. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, you know, one thing that, that I've always just admired about you is that you are so unique, man. It's like very rarely do we have that, you know, that masculine, you know, hip hop, soul kind of, uh, you know, I can definitely hear the, uh, the church influence. So as you became a solo artist and started developing your style, what were some of the influences that helped you become King Malachi? Uh, well, what be helped me become King Malachi is just, you know, 
studying the Bible with my teacher Menachem at the time. So that was like, I've been Malachi since 2000. Like, no, like 98, Mm -hmm. right? But the music side, the musical influences, when I really took the rap part serious, like I'm gonna be a rapper, Mm -hmm. for real. You know, I wanted to come at Tupac head. I wanted to come at Biggie head. Like, (laughs) and I was just starting. Like, they was the best. You know what I mean? So I was like, you know, that's how hip hop is. That's that's, hip hop. So you know, um, when when I was on the R and B side of things in the group. You know, I remember times where I didn't like how my demos sound and I would compare them to Jodeci. And I used to be in the studio with them when they was making Diary of a Mad Band. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, wow. yeah. And so, you know, I was, um, I would play they stuff and play my stuff and I'd be like, nah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And they gave me that benchmark. And it was just a blessing to actually see my favorite album from them being created. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time, nobody knew Timberland. Right, nobody right. knew Missy. She cool. was just coming out of the group, yeah, yeah. Sister, at the time. Sister, so yeah, I know that was a, You know, and then, you know, it was being engineered by Prince Charles. And right now, he's at Berkeley School of Music in Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like a head guy over there. So it was interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I know you have done some work with Dungeon Family, the legendary Dungeon Family. Mm-hmm. I, I was telling them not too long ago, there's a couple of songs that are in the vault that I tell people they can be released now. <laughs> and them shits are still bang. Seriously, that, 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 that new generation Dungeon Family, you know, that was my shit. Like, so, so, so tell us about how did you link up with Dungeon Family? I, well, in 97, I was moving from New York with my group. And we from South Carolina, we went up there to get a deal. Yeah. And so we got a deal with Steven Spielberg and um, Eric Sermon from mm-hmm. Dev Squad, right? And so that's how, we was on 25th, we was on 125th Street. Right. And um, we chose Straws to stay either in New York or come down to Atlanta mm-hmm. because one or two of us had kids in South Carolina where okay. we're from. So Atlanta won, right? <laughs> It was destiny. destiny. I'm glad <laughs> it won. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad it won. And so check, this is real life. I was looking up at, I was on 25th, and I was looking up at this big billboard, and it had Rico Wade in the middle with his mm. dungeon tattoos like wow. this. Mm-hmm. It had D-Dot and Angeletti from Bad Boy, from, you know, the Hitman. Yeah, the Hitman, Puppy yeah. The hit producers man. who produced all that. All that shit, yeah, man, the Hitman. Like I said, that, yeah. Right? So I was looking up at the post, and this is when uh, Good, when Goody Mob had Black Ice out, mm. and I played that to death. And so that's when Organized was like at a high space right no there. Doubt. Right? Yeah. And so I was looking up at the billboard. I was like, man, if we could only meet Rico Wade. Mm. So check this out. So we moved to Atlanta, and we moved to Oak and Holderness mm-hmm. on the west side, and like right there where that situation happened with um. With Jamil, with uh, with, with the uh, with the E-Man yeah, over there, yeah, with yeah, E-Man yeah. Jamil, right? Yeah. H. Rap Brown. I mean, yeah. When that happened, that was a block over for me, hmm. right? So I was there when it, when all that happened, and it was weird. Like I was in Atlanta for two weeks, and on a Monday, we, me and my partner, who was managing the group at the time, we went to Lennox early that morning, like just on some, man, let's go to Lennox. You know, we know in the city, yeah, right, right. To go, Lennox, typically right, right. go to Lennox. Go to know? Lennox. And we was bored, hang out, see do. somebody. It's a Monday, it's slow. It seemed like literally, like nobody was in the mall, but mm-hmm. us and somehow 
Rico Wade. Wow. <laughs> and his homeboy Ramon. Wow. Nah. He lived down the street from me. <laughs> Crazy. Nah. So y'all just approached dude? Just Listen, bro, ran up on Rico. He had a deal. It had Future in a group called mm -hmm. The Connect. Yeah. They had a deal with the same label DreamWorks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. So he already knew. On so that, yeah. that afternoon, wow, man. we was in the studio with Rico. Yeah. So, we got, so we, we got a little special part of the show uh, where we asked the artist to pick a question out the bowl. There's a bu bunch of questions in there. Okay. Uh, you're going to read it, and we're going to answer the question. But before you do that, I guess we want to, we want to know where can people pick up your music? Right now, the music is everywhere online. Definitely on YouTube, Spotify, Deezer, Amazon Music, everywhere. Title, all of that. You all know right, what I'm cool, saying? Cool, cool. And also, make sure y'all check out some of his other projects. You got, you got mad content out there. Mm -hmm. Quality music out there, y'all. If you want to hear some quality music, check out King Malachi. Sure. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so get around there. There's a whole bunch of questions in there. Dig deep. Dig deep. Don't get that. Yeah, get, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Make it. I, I like that, brother. Make it look good. What you got? Who is the best singer rapper? Okay, now hold up. Is going to answer now? Gonna, we break it or we going to go? No, no, you got to answer now. Gotta okay. Answer now. Yeah. The best singer rapper. King Malachi, I would say. No, no, well, no, go no, ahead, no, though. No, 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 no. Come on now. If I had to say the best singer rap of all time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lauryn Hill. Woo! Oh, conversation done. Nobody, yeah, nobody can disagree with that. Like, nobody can disagree with that. Right, let me think. Like, though, nope, nope, you're right. Yeah. Even, yeah. Though, even though, to me, Lauren is such a dope MC, I think people underestimate the kind of dope MC she is because she sings so beautifully. Mm. But she's a fire MC. Yeah. Like, I'm going to tell you something about that. When Lauren album dropped The Miseducation, mm -hmm. yeah. she was such an ill MC that I heard so much singing. At first, I almost missed that it was a classic. Yeah, true, I almost true. missed what she was doing. True. Yeah. But when I sat, sat with, I'm like, whoa, man, and, and man, and man, if you hear her on Wyclef's The Carnival, mm. she showed out on that even more than Wyclef. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so we gonna come back with a performance with King Malachi, so y'all can really kind of feel the energy That's and right. see what it is. Renegade culture. Boom, we be out. You know what I mean? Shalom, shalom. Definitely check me, King Malachi, on YouTube. Subscribe to that Asa and the King Malachi. At IG. Ba, 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 In my life, you know, I had myself beans smoking hard round here. Woo! Don't slip up, they check your cars round here. Police, hey, 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 living in the hey, where we stay, where we stay, where we lay. Woo! Living in the Where we stay, yeah. In the store, playing numbers in the hood every day. On the block, somebody wants a 
change every day. Project, tumble down, condo building up. While we off in the club, get so turned up. Holy dope on the tongue, gotta keep a lookout. Cause there ain't no telling when the boy jump out. Off in your house, thank to your mouth, black mask with the tape like that in the air. Living in the air, where we stay, where we stay, where we lie. Living in the air, yeah, where we stay, where we stay, yeah. It's still South Carolina till the day that I rest. I had to say it so you don't have to guess. In Atlanta, G.A., I'll be all out in the street. Learning the city so my family can eat. Y'all got to feel it. Get them CD pumping, pumping. The club jumping, jumping, y'all. So love it, love it. The hood love it, love it. Yeah, you know that Irwin Street. Malachi in Atlanta music industry. Singing, hey, 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 hey. Hey, living in the hey, where we stay, where we stay, where we live.